Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA. Get a quote today. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello, welcome to episode 96 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. This episode is brought to you by Rampion Crew patron supporters. Thank you. My name is Bethany Finger. I will be your host for today. And my special guest is Rampion Crew Patreon member Bailey. Bailey, do you want to take a minute, introduce yourself, and tell everybody about your journey with Marissa Meyer? Sure. So I um, I found Marissa Meyer because I had a huge Harry Potter obsession for two years of my life before this. And I had I went to some church service thing. And so I've been looking for book suggestions because all I would read was Harry Potter. And she suggested the Lunar Chronicles to me. And I read it and I just, I fell in love with it. And I fell in love with Marissa Meyer and I read all of her books. I love them. What do you think is your favorite book in the series? Cress, definitely. Yay! <laughs> That's such a popular one to be everybody's favorite. I think people just love Cress, the character, so much. Because she's so relatable. Yeah, she really is, 100%. <laughs> so today we're going to discuss chapter 56, but first we've got fan art. Yeah. Today's fan art is from March 5th. It's by J-O-O-N-A-X-R-T <laughs> on Instagram, and it's Jason. It's awesome. I love it. It's so detailed. And I love that his hair is long enough to go in a ponytail. Yes. Because <laughs> at one point, that's how it's described. And a lot of times I see him with really short hair. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm really happy that it's long. And I don't know why, but like, maybe it's like the protruding mouth or the long ponytail hair or the high collared shirt. But I get like vampire vibes for some reason. Yes. And I think it's like how dark his lips are in the picture. Like, yeah. And like- they kind of they kind of push out a little bit. Like, there could be things under there. I don't know. <laughs> Everybody's like, this isn't a vampire book, Bethany. But I, I don't know why. I just got, like, Buffy vibes when I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> but they did an amazing job, and I'm always so grateful to share it. And just a reminder to everybody, we are coming up on Ferris, which is a a novella with a lot of just Lavana. So <laughs> if anybody has fan art of some of the side characters from that, maybe some pictures, some like images that you sketched up of Artemisia or the palace, it would be greatly appreciated to go along with that book. So awesome. That's one of my favorites too, though, is Ferris. I love- I'm so excited to get to it. I've been taking notes and getting ready and I'm like, oh, spoiler free is hard. <laughs> <laughs> So last week, Patreon members voted on chapter titles. Chapter 54 is titled That's My Girl by Fifth Harmony. And chapter 55 is titled I Did Something Bad by Taylor Swift. Good songs. Right? (laughs) And we've got um, actually three reviews to read today. Which feels like a lot. So I guess I'm going to talk for a minute. We haven't gotten any reviews for a while. And then it was like I had three of them. And I was like, ooh, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) So this one is from Lily Potter, who's also a Patreon member. This podcast is a wonderful way for me to get back into the Lunar Chronicles. Bethany does a great job keeping me interested, entertained, and can make anyone laugh at the simplest thing. Every episode is a new adventure that goes into every detail of each chapter without fail. Waiting till the next Monday is terrible. This podcast is so good. Keep up the great work and don't get glamored. Thank you, Lily. That is so nice. I like when they're nice reviews. I haven't gotten any bad reviews yet, but you never know, right? You're awesome. And it's impossible to give you a bad review. Thank you. So this next one is from Mexico, from Nadia. I absolutely love this podcast so much. I listen to this podcast pretty much every day. I always use it as background when I'm painting, baking, playing video games, or doing homework. I've reread these books a hundred times and I've never realized a lot of the stuff they talk about in the podcast. Thank you so much for carrying the the TLC fandom. You're very welcome. I'm glad that you're enjoying the podcast. (laughs) And this last one is from New Zealand, which is cool. Uh, We made it to New Zealand. (laughs) 
Favorite podcast. I love this podcast. I don't really listen to podcasts or anything that much, but I have been listening to this almost nonstop. The Lunar Chronicles is one of my three favorite series. Thanks for making this podcast awesome. Smiley face. Um, I want to know what your other two favorite series are. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, I feel like it's Harry Potter Lunar Chronicles slash yeah. everything by Marissa Meyer. And <laughs> I don't know what my third one would be. Probably everything by Meg Cabot. I don't know who that is. She wrote the Princess Diaries series, oh. All American Girl, Teen Idol, Pants on Fire, okay. Jinx. Yeah. I'll have- Just tons of good classic teen books. Love her. Good. That sounds that sounds good. I'll check it out. Put, t- put it in my to be read list. <laughs> so today is also Marissa Meyer's birthday. So happy birthday to Marissa. We are so grateful to all that you do, and we hope that you have a fantastic birthday because you definitely deserve it. Happy birthday. Okay, so chapter 56. Yay! I love this chapter and hate it. Oh, it's so there's a reason this chapter is by itself. Like I know it's not very long, but it just it didn't feel right to include it with the next chapter. I felt like we needed a break between the two. Yes. So this is a really um revealing chapter. Yes. We left off last week. Everyone said goodbye to Dr. Erland because he was dying from the plague. We kidnapped Kai. <laughs> Cinder tortured Sybil. Justin yeah, that was creepy. Jacin abandoned them, uh, but they did manage to fly off into the night and escape once again. Sweet. I love it. Proud We're of- in Lavana's perspective, something we do not get very often oh. uh, in these first few books. So she's maintaining her facade of beauty and poise, but she's seething on the inside. I This glamour stuff is so interesting. Like, it's it. it's the it's the like extreme of putting on a happy face kind of thing. Yes, and like the funny thing is, is that you can't even tell that it's fake at all unless you know the person that well. Right. She even has her hands glamoured to look like they are folded in her lap, but they're balled into fists. Yes, I thought that was crazy. How like you can even change like the formation of your hands. Like I don't know why that's. I mean. If I if I think about it, it makes sense, right? Because you're yes. manipulating what people see. But at the same time, like, it does seem like just extra work. Yes. <laughs> like, it's one thing to change, like, I don't know, the color of your nail polish or something. But, like, you're literally making people think that you're in a different Emotion. pose. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then that also brings in physics. Like, if somebody comes up to touch the hands that are in her lap, are they going to, like, go through the air? Oh, that that, that kind of creeps me out. Wow, that's weird. Because there's no real, there's really not hands there. There's no solid yes, but the pers- mass there. <laughs> I don't know physics well. Maybe I shouldn't delve into this. But I'm just curious how far, who's got, people who listen to this podcast, I assume some of you are far more educated than I am. So... <laughs> Anyone who understands physics, even just a little bit, who could offer some insight into that, email me, princekaifanpod at gmail.com. Help me to understand. (laughs) (laughs) Please. So she's wearing two wedding bands. Yes. I love that. With very different meanings and representations. Yes. Both love, right? But... Different. different types of love. One is love, like actual love and affection that you feel for another person. And the other one is for the love of her planet. Which I hate how it says um, the other was supposed to bring her not not the love of a blind, selfish husband, which makes me mad because I love Kai. Kai is like my favorite character. And so I hate that she insulted him. <laughs> well, like, and I don't think that Kai is blind or selfish. If anything... Yeah. I mean, maybe he's a little naive, but if anything, he's selfless because he knows he's going to die, but he's doing it anyway so he can get the antidote. Yes. So do we think she's talking about Kai in particular or just the concept of matrimony? No, just the concept of matrimony. I just, I like insinuating of Kai. Yeah, because she's very anti-monogamy. 
yes. it seems. Yes. Or I shouldn't say that because we don't necessarily know that, I guess. I guess what we've gotten from her so far is that monogamy is an outdated concept on Luna. And she doesn't seem to care about marriage unless it's for uh, political gain. And so... I, I guess this is probably more a stab at the concept of marriage in general, mm-hmm. but I mean, I'd rather have the love of a, of another person, you know, rather than obviously this earth. <laughs> but it, it does offer a little bit of insight into her character. She's she's greedy with power, but there's this underlying desire to just be loved. Yes. To, to be adored, to be worshipped, so to speak. And we see a lot more of that in Ferris, so it's so hard not to do spoilers right now because I want to, I just, I want to talk about something. I know, we want to draw comparisons and make connections. We'll have to, wait. we'll have to wait. We'll have to talk about it on the Discord chat on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> so she was moments away from being Empress when she found out that Kai had been kidnapped, and they'd have to postpone the ceremony. She says she's going to torture whoever is responsible. That's not surprising. <laughs> I can totally, I can see that happening. It makes. I me- mean, we knew she would be livid, right? So, mm-hmm. makes sense to me. Like Kai said, she would like to warn the person who told her that um, that it was going to be postponed anyway. Like, yeah, this happens. I feel like Torin is laying it on really thick. Your illustrious majesty is like, why are you sucking up? <laughs> what news are you bringing me? And I love when she asks, like, who kidnapped? Who else would it possibly be? Like, you know who it is. There aren't other culprits at bay. Is anyone else even capable of it? Like, I'm still not entirely sure how Cinder and the gang did it. Like... There were a lot of moving pieces and a lot of things had to, had to work for that. You know what I mean? Like pretty much one tiny little thing could go wrong and they would have, they would not have been successful. So so yeah, (laughs) I'm still, I'm still pretty impressed with that Cinder and the gang were able to do it. They're awesome. I love them. They couldn't have done it at all without Crest because the security being compromised was basically how they were able to achieve everything and get away without being noticed. Yes. Because, yeah, I have no idea what Cinder's plan would have been if Thorn and Crest had not been found. It's awesome how perfect it came together. Everybody had, like, a very vital role to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Lavana says... You're telling me that this teenage girl has not only escaped from your prison and evaded capture by your highly trained military, but has now invaded your palace and the private quarters of the emperor himself, kidnapped him, and again gotten away with it? Precisely correct, Your Majesty. <laughs> uh, this description of Cinder, she sounds like total badass. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. this is some cool stuff. And Alavana admits it too. I never would have admitted all of that. I would have been like, yeah, there, I feel like there's a lot of snark in her tone, even though it doesn't imply that in the book. But I, I feel like if anything, she's she's blaming Cinder's success more on the incompetency of the Earthens than on Cinder's abilities or drinks in herself. Yes. Again, I would not have admitted it. I would have been like, so you guys have not been able to capture her even while she was here, but she fully explained what happened. Yeah, I agree. The first question is, of course, what are you doing to to retrieve Kai? What have you done to try to bring Kai back? And Torn starts off with like military, police, which Lavana says not good enough. And I'm kind of like, obviously not good enough. They couldn't... Ca- the military and police have been, quote, searching for Cinder for months and couldn't catch her. Now they're suddenly going to be able to because she has the Emperor? I don't think so. It doesn't make any sense. But also, like, what else are they going to do? Yeah. Like, what other what other tools and resources do they have at their disposal? Are they going to, like, take all the citizens and force them to go search? No. Like... Yeah, I mean, even would that even be effective or successful? Like, just wa- like just get a ship and wander around outer space until you see them? <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing more you can do. 
This does show how terrifying Lavana is, though, because Torin actually flinches when she yells at him. Which yes. I feel like that's not an easy thing to do. Torin is not easily bra- broken. No, he's very, he kind of hides his emotions and everything so well that this is, I feel bad for him. I do, I do too. I feel very bad for Torin. <laughs> Lavana says, fine, she's going to employ her own resources to capture them. Let me see the video surveillance so I can get a good head start. Well, funnily enough, the video surveillance just so happens to be missing the two hours they need. (laughs) It's It's like an episode of Law and Order where they just happen to, like, the cameras are always out that day or something, you know? Like, (laughs) so the bad guy gets away with it. Cool. This next part is very interesting. So Amory shows up. Torn is basically kicked out because at this point, Lavana is like, I'm going to snap Earthen's necks. I think they should be extinct. Like she can, she's done with Earthen's. So. As she's mad that she's not marrying them right now. Right? So Amory's there and there's another development. Dr. Sage Darnell is here, and he has contracted letamosis. It's crazy. Like, and this is obviously the first she's heard of it, like, migrating to her people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. this is the first she's heard of the disease mutating to affect her own people. And this is the first she's heard that Darnell slash Erlon, which is an anagram for Darnell. Very good. Very good job, Marissa. This is the first she's heard of him being alive. Yes. For all she knows. She thought he was dead. Yes. Yes. He could have been. Well, he couldn't have been caught. But because she would have definitely known about that. But he could have died easily sometime between the help Cinder and between Cinder and uh, Quest. Yeah. So she says, take me to him. She puts on her true wedding band and leaves the other behind. But we as the reader are not told which one of her wedding bands is the true one. The one that belongs to Kai or the one that belongs to her deceased husband. So I think that's an interesting dynamic too. Yeah. Just, it'd be kind of nice to know what she values more. I think that once we read a little bit further in the series, we can make some more educated guesses. Yes. Um, but at this moment, it really could be either one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because remember, there's also the rumor that she killed her own husband just to get an advantageous marriage. So, so then it, I mean, it could be yeah, it, it could be either one. Yes. Unfortunately, she has to take the stairs. <laughs> She's not happy about this turn of events. She has to take the stairs. She uses her gift to send everyone away except for Amory. Amory gets to stay. He's her number two at the moment. And Dr. Erland is laying there with a cap on his stomach. And it turns out he disappeared 10 years ago. But they never knew what happened to him. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Like, wouldn't they assume that he escaped or died but no they would know if he died (laughs) but i i feel like i mean what how do you disappear on the moon yeah like (laughs) you all live in like really small biodomes you're a relatively small like you're only taking up like a what a third of the planet at most you're all trapped in these biodomes like where could he possibly be hiding other than escaping to earth like do you think she just dismissed it as whatever? Who cares? It's just some random doctor? Or do you think in the back of her brain, she's always been like, did he make it? Did he go to Earth? I I have this weird theory that maybe, like, obviously that's not what happened. But can you glamour yourself to be invisible? To, like, not be there? I don't know if you could glamour yourself to not be there. But because you control what people see and you control what people think... Um, you could probably deflect someone like, you know, Star Wars style, like these aren't the droids you're looking for, or you didn't see anything or something. Um, or maybe be invisible by by just glamoring yourself to be kind of a wallflower. 
Yeah. Because also, can you glamour yourself to look like a cat or something? That would be cool. I would because be- then you could kind of sneak in and out without being noticed at all. But then again, that brings in more physics. A cat takes up a lot less space and volume and mass yes. than a human being would, even a smaller human being like Dr. Erlon. So where does, I don't know. There's a lot of glamouring that um, I don't understand because I'm not good at physics. But I don't necessarily think you could make yourself be invisible. Maybe maybe you could like chameleon yourself and glamour yourself to look like the color of the brick wall behind you or something. Yeah, that would take a lot of effort though because you would have to remember what it looks like behind you. I think it would almost be easier to just pretend to be a wallflower type person that blends in. Like, where, like something drab that doesn't stand out. Especially on Luna where people value yes. image so much that they, they glamour themselves to look younger and healthier and, and more attractive and things like that. And to wear crazy clothing and stuff like we saw in the Capital Scarlet. Yeah. Very interesting. I'm not sure. Hmm. I mean, I'm interested in theories if anybody wants to share them with me. She goes to the window and the microphone And she's annoyed that he won't have to see her because it's a one-way mirror. So she can see him, but he can only see his reflection. He doesn't even bother to look at her. Like. (laughs) (laughs) He's trying to defy her in any way he possibly can, which I love. I appreciate that so much. So awesome. Amory gets a calm and he exits the room. And she says she's delighted by irony that he's devoted the last years of his life to curing this disease, and now it's going to kill him. It's sad. It's, I mean, the irony is, like, it's amazing. Well, what I think is interesting is, and perhaps maybe it's dismissed because why do they care, but Dr. Erland is also on the run. He's considered a traitor to the crown mm-hmm. um, because of all the assistance he gave to Cinder. The Earthens seem to be aware that he was a lunar in disguise. Are the lunars not aware of Dr. Erlond, the person, and they haven't made the connection between Dr. Erlond and Sage Darnell? Like, did it just not, does it not deserve their radar because they're solely focused on Cinder? Does his picture look that much different than his glamour that they don't even recognize him? Mm-hmm. I, I, it's strange to me that there wouldn't be a connection there, that she wouldn't have realized it. Or someone on her team wouldn't have realized it and brought it to her attention the way that Amory did. Yes, that's weird. Cause, or maybe he's not so... No, but he is well-known. I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, Amory literally goes to her and says, like, dude, Darnell's here. <laughs> and she says, take me to him. How does... How did, yeah, how did no one else realize that? That's weird. I actually have not thought about that until now. Maybe maybe she did know, and that's why she was, like, wanted to go talk to him, because she did know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it gives us, like, an actual confirmation. Maybe this is supposed to be our confirmation, that she's made those connections and that she knows his real identity. She obviously knows who he is, who Sage Darnell is, and must have known him well if she, like, recognized him and knew him from the... And, I mean, she says in her in her monologue that he was one of her most promising... Mm-hmm doctors research so, doctors so that's right yeah, yeah. Um, she she's gotta know him so she's gotta have recognized him that that would make me mad just to see him back on earth helping cinder uh, yeah it's interesting so she says she could bring him the antidote but we all know she never would so i don't know why it matters that she even says it just to balk him i guess <laughs> tease him he says he wouldn't take it knowing where it comes from. And this is interesting because I've harped on Dr. Erland a little bit about his own ethics and moral code. But here we actually see a little bit of ethics from him because he doesn't want to take the antidote knowing that it's been created with shell blood. Well, you are literally participating in lunar trafficking to obtain shell blood to try to recreate the antidote. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I think he means because he knows about the biological warfare, but still, like, he's yeah. participating in it. Like, maybe, it, maybe he thought it was one thing. It was one thing for him to try to cure a disease that happened out of sheer happenstance. It's another for him to be involved knowing that the whole thing 
was manufactured. Mm-hmm. That yep. would be my guess. Yeah. Yep. She calls herself charitable to cure this disease that up until now hasn't even affected her own people. And now Dr. Erlon gets up. He's like, dude, like, we know what it is. He's like, excuse me, what did you just say? Like, (laughs) it's charitable. Yeah. So here's the big question. Are all shells killed or is it just a show? I have to know the answer to this too. So we know that there's an infanticide, but what happened to all the shells that were alive when they implemented the infanticide? Were they, were they eliminated? Were they jailed? Dismissed? I mean, what did they do with the already existing population? I don't know. Can't have been good. Were they like captured and, and, put with all the infants that they pretended to kill? I have no idea. That's a good question. (laughs) It may, it generally, it genuinely makes me think of like concentration camps throughout history. Um, and that would be the only explanation I could come up with. Gosh, that's sad. Wow. (laughs) Well, I mean, to create an infanticide law alone is is horrible. You're literally killing infant children. But then on top of that, like, that infanticide law, they said, was implemented when Channery was queen. So you ha- I have to wonder what happened to the existing population when they put that law in place. Yeah. I mean, unless they uh, killed them, like, killed all the population, which I don't know why they would do that. Like, no, they, I think they might have... Yeah, I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're not given an explanation here. I was just I was just curious. Again, if you have theories, I mean, feel free to email Prince Kai Fanpod and let me know. Um, or maybe we'll have to keep reading and see if it's revealed later on. I don't think that it's ever fully explained, but um, maybe it is. I don't know. We're spoiler free. So Lavana recalls that he had a child... So she must have known him pretty well because she's aware that he had a child that was a shell. Yes. It's very, it's just very interesting to try to put these pieces together because we're only being given bits and pieces of this, of this story, of this relationship and connection that Dr. Erland and Queen Lavana have. We're not sure how far back it goes. We're not sure how close they were. Obviously, they probably weren't friends, right? No. I'm not sure Lavana understands the concept of friendship, let alone has any, but, but perhaps they were colleagues in a sense. Perhaps she relied on him a great deal during the research trials or maybe not relied on him, but like had faith in him and, and his abilities and knew that he was going to lead them somewhere. I'm not sure. Hmm. Well, he probably like proved himself at one point, And so then she had all this faith in him to do all the uh, stuff on the the lunar boys to yeah and I mean he he even apologized to Wolf because he said he was a part of it he played a big role in that yes. so um yeah I don't know it's just interesting to consider the dynamics of their connection when we really haven't before mm-hmm. yeah I didn't even consider that when I first read this chapter it's just, you know, there's there's a lot of moving pieces going on in these stories. That's why it's it's nice to read multiple times and discuss because there's there's always new things that you're learning or thinking about or challenging yourself to be aware of. Yes. She tries to like egg him on about his shell child, but he kind of ignores her and he really just wants to understand more about the biological warfare. He said it would have had to have been your sister, right? Because it was before you. And she says that his, basically she's like, oh, you're so smart. You're reminding me why it was so terrible to lose you because of your brilliance. (laughs) It started with her parents, actually. They created the disease. Her sister created the antidote. And now she's the one implementing the process of bringing said antidote to Earth as basically a bargaining chip. But she never actually sent lunars to Earth to, to carry the the spread of letamosis, she simply looked the other way when they, quote, 
escaped, <laughs> which actually kills her because she can't stand the thought of her her citizens leaving the quote paradise that she has created for them. Oh, yes, definitely. Which honestly, why wouldn't they want to leave? What do we know? We know from Jacin mm-hmm. and Dr. Erland and some of the townspeople in Farafra that were lunars that shared their story. We know that you're not given a choice about career, livelihood. You're constantly being controlled and manipulated by the crown or their um, extending forces through, you know, their guard, their thaumaturgs, things like that. So it's interesting that Lavana still considers whatever her her offering to her people is as a paradise. And it starts to beg this question of not just, okay, we know Levon is a, a tyrant, right? Is she also slightly delusional? Seriously. Like, why, why, like, would she like to be forced into all those things? Like, she's literally, we see her being somewhat obsessive with getting the people to love her, the lunar her lunars to love her, her earthens to love her. She even to a certain extent wants Kai not necessarily to love her, but to understand and mm-hmm. to appreciate how lucky he is to marry her, right? Yeah. I do wonder if she's slightly delusional in her misinterpretation that everyone should love her. Because she even at multiple times when we're in her perspective so far, she seems confused as to why anyone wouldn't love her after everything she's given them and how beautiful she is and how much she has to offer. And so I do think she might be slightly delusional. Just she thinks just looking at a pretty face is paradise is all you need. And and I mean, we're not given the indication that that the rest of Lunar isn't similar. Yeah. Or I shouldn't say the rest of Lunar. Perhaps the rest of Lunar aristocrats and thaumaturges. Yeah. Because, yeah, they probably all think very similar to that. And But then, obviously, most, not most, a lot of the other citizens don't, don't think that same way. Um, yeah. Again, we're going to have to keep an eye on this kind of stuff in Ferris because that whole book is about um, Lavana, and uh, we're going to get quite a bit more information and insight into these developments. So she says she never sent the Lunars to Earth. She just looked the other way when they escaped. And Earth has no idea where this disease came from. And she's very happy about that. She's like, oh, it's going to die with you. And this is where Dr. Erlon gets to have kind of another clapback moment because he says, I would never take this secret to my grave. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So that that actually would scare me. I would be like, wait, what do you, what do you mean? Like, who have you told? Uh, which I can't, does she? No, I don't think she's even that scared about that. Oh, she says a twinge of annoyance scraps traits down her spine, but. That's not even the slightest bit I would be feeling. I mean, maybe she thinks it doesn't matter who he told. Maybe she assumes he told Cinder and the Rampian crew people. Mm-hmm. Maybe she thinks that he leaked the information via the web somehow. And so it's accessible to anyone who wants to try and find it. He does have still have access to all of the palace research lab. He could have left notes for people. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe at this point she doesn't really care too much or she just plans on disproving it after if it if it gets out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably it. Cuz cuz it it would almost be like a like a deadly game of telephone to try to track down everyone he told and and silence them by what killing them, I guess, and then track down everyone that they told and so forth and so forth. And it's not like they're going to willingly give that information. No, 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 no. So, I I mean, how would she, I'm not sure that trying to find out who he told even matters. Mm -mm. So she just, she probably just assumed it was something small and does not realize that it was the emperor. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I told the emperor. <laughs> I told the one person who really needed to know. 
So here's what he says to Lovato, which I really, I know I've been kind of hard on Dr. Erland in the past, but I really appreciate his bravery in this chapter. I realize he's about to die. So he's kind of at that point where it's like, what does he have left to lose? But I still think being able to talk to Lavana the way that he is takes a lot of courage. Um, and I do want to acknowledge and appreciate that while we can. So he says, this is a very large mirror I'm looking into. So impossible to hide from what I am, what I've become. My queen, you would not like to die in this room. I suspect you would tear off your own flesh if forced to stare at it for so long. Oof. <laughs> that is cold, man. That's the kind of thing Lavana herself would say to someone, right? Yes. It's kind of nice to have that justice served right there. It is. Yeah, it is. I agree. I, I think this is one of those moments where we can we can snap for Dr. Erland. Like this is a this is a that's my girl moment for for Dr. Erland. <laughs> These days, more authors are including mental health content in their books. But do you ever wonder how accurate some of this stuff is? Or do you ever read something where you know the author just gets it? I'm Elise. And I'm Priscilla. And we are Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss mental health issues in fiction novels. We are psychologists and book lovers, and we have a lot of opinions. So look for Novel Feelings wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your show. Amory comes back with the captain of the guard, Jericho, and kind of fills Lavana in on what happened on the rooftop in our last couple of chapters. Sybil, Mira, and five of her others surrounded Cinder and her crew on the rooftop, which means they should have been, com- it should have been super easy for them to take her and the team and go, right? Because that's Lavana's whole thing, is that the only reason they haven't captured Cinder yet is basically because earthens are incompetent but her number two her her person that she goes to her number one her right hand girl right failed and is actually dead so she is just as incompetent as these earthens like we knew that cinder had tortured her in the last chapter we knew that it ended with her like laughing maniacally and talking about these pretty birds but she literally tortured her so severely that Sybil ended up throwing herself from the rooftop and they found her body in the gardens. Brutal. Wow. So (laughs) it's not just that earthens are incompetent, like Cinder and the crew have the skills and resources that they need or are resourceful enough, I should say, to utilize their skills to get by with the scrape of their teeth over and over and over again, right? Yeah. They just, they, the funny thing is they didn't even know this was going to happen, yet they still won. Like, they didn't have a plan. This wasn't part no, of No, they weren't even aware. They were, like, celebrating super early when they walked in. And then it was like, oh, crap, Sybil's here. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this is incredibly impressive. Yes, and even, again, managed to kill Sybil when they did not plan on seeing Sybil. It's awesome. And I love this. A mad giggling echoed through the room. Lavana spun back as the doctor doubled over his knees, kicking his heels against the table. She deserved it, the snake, after keeping my little golden bird locked up in her cage for so long. Aww. Dr. Erland is like, yes, justice, vengeance (laughs) retaliation (laughs) i love it i love it so much (laughs) i just love that he's like literally doubled over with laughter and like kicking his feet because he's so overcome with hysterics over someone's death which is not like a happy thing but i you know sybil's the bad guy so surface level they found the pilot jacinth clay right he seems fine doesn't look like he was treated like a prisoner. And, of course, his mind is blank. That's his thing, right? That's his thing. Lavana accuses him. She says, my understanding is that you abandoned your thaumaturge in a pivotal battle in order to side with Lynn Cinder against the Lunar Crown. Your being here leads me to understand that you are also involved with the kidnapping of my betrothed. 
You are a traitor to myself and to my throne. How do you plead? Innocent, my queen. (laughs) Of course. He says, during the battle aboard the spaceship, Thaumaturge Mira was consumed with the effort to control a lunar special operative who has joined the side of the rebels. So the rebels, like that's what they're calling them now, which again is kind of Star Wars-y to me, right? The rebels. Rebels versus empire, which is sort of an empire. (laughs) Exactly. He says, with my own faculties open, Lynn Cinder forced me to comply with her will and fight against my thaumaturge, ultimately leading to her abandoning the ship and leaving me aboard. This is all a lie, just in case anyone listening forgot. Cinder never controlled or manipulated him, not one single time. No. She practiced on him a little bit, but with his permission, she didn't actually control him at all. Yes, which, you know, I'm proud of her for because I would have, I definitely would have controlled him. That's the first thing I would have done. Right? But again, but his uh, excuse right here, it's so perfect. It seems so real. Like, I'm proud of him for that. (laughs) Well, I mean, the next part, I don't even know if it's true or not. Yes. He says, realizing this was an opportunity to ingratiate myself to the rebels, I have spent these past weeks acting as a spy with the intention of reporting weaknesses and strategies when I was finally able to return to my queen, who I am most honored to serve. Is that true? We don't know. I mean, he wasn't on the rooftop. They were surrounded when they got to said rooftop. No one else knew they were there. So, of course, it seems like he would be the, the you know, the one that ratted them out, right? Mm-hmm. How else would Sybil and her gang have been up there waiting? Yes. Yes, seriously. How would they even think? Like, because they didn't, obviously didn't know that I was going to get kidnapped today or at this time. Like, so true. I mean, that's what he's claiming. He claimed that he calmed Sybil to reveal their whereabouts and that the only reason he was with the crew, the rebels, as he calls them, was to get information to bring back to his queen. I wonder how much truth there is in that. Or if, like, Lavana says, he saw an, an opportunity to get back to his beloved princess, which finally spikes a very slight tinge of emotion from him. There's always that small little ripple of emotion that comes in every once in a while. I like getting to channel that through the reader because I don't know how to remain emotionless or to keep my mind blank. Yes. So I find it very impressive that someone could do that. Yes, and then, like, this is the only thing that really even triggers that real emotion. Is his princess. Mm-hmm. So there's no confirmation that he calmed Sybil, just that she seemed very confident that that's where they were. Sybil was actually the one that ordered Jacin to be arrested when they saw him. And Jacin has an answer for this. Well, I calmed her anonymously because I didn't know if she would trust me after what happened. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I mean, he has, like, an answer for everything so far that's like, okay, I could, I mean, that makes sense, okay. And they're reasonable, like, explanations, too, so it's, how can you not believe? Until this part, where she says, okay, fine, we will investigate you later. What did you learn on this, quote, secret mission, right? That he learned that Cinder can control a lunar op, but not very well. She has no talent and completely lacks focus. And Lavana is like, okay, so could she, in your assessment, could she torture some an enemy into insanity? And Jacin says, absolutely not. That is not the right answer, sweetie. <laughs> you have vastly underestimated Cinder and her abilities because not only could she do it, she just did it to Sybil, the head thaumaturge, to the queen herself. Oh my gosh. So essentially the best thaumaturge in the universe at that time was overpowered by Cinder, who Jacin basically just said is completely incompetent with her gift. <laughs> and Lavana calls him stupid. Kind of. He is. He I mean it kinda seems stupid. To a point where he just he didn't even pay attention to that. It's crazy. I it's insane to me. <laughs> Dr. Erland says, of course he's lying. She's Princess Celine and she's coming for you. She will destroy you. 
I'm surprised she's letting him talk this much. Yes, he just keeps talking and talking and talking. And easily, like, Jason just heard that. Uh, I think, yeah, Amory and Jericho just heard that. Like, wow. It's a lot of information. And Jason, he has a reaction when he hears it. Lavana says, why don't you just shut up and die already? But Jason kind of chuckles to himself because he kind of comprehends suddenly why Senator, basically why Senator trusted him so much as soon as he said, I serve my princess and why she was so confused when he said he was talking about winter because to Jason, there wasn't another princess, but Cinder thought he knew her secret. Yes, yes. So now we're all kind of in the loop on what's going on. And keep in mind, there's other people in this room. Like, just the there's other guards in the room. Jericho is a guard and he's in the room. Amory is in the room. So there's other people getting this information, not just a conversation between Jacin, Lavana, and Dr. Erland. The secret's out. Well, for some people. <laughs> I mean, it's out, but it's in a room of people that aren't supposed to talk because they'd be going against the queen. So uh, it's out to an extent, you know. Yeah. And I'm glad Jason finally knows because he was, it was funny watching him uh, not know. He was so confused by everything. He was like, why does this weird cyborg girl think she can take on the entire lunar (laughs) queen and her people? And now he's like, oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> all right she might have a chance <laughs> Lavana says to take Jacin away we will start an investigation on Luna she immediately promotes Amory to lead thaumaturge again this kind of reminds me of Star Wars where the higher-ups are constantly getting killed by Darth Vader because he gets annoyed and then he like just turns and he's like what level are you okay you're promoted <laughs> <laughs> I love it <laughs> Alert the research team to the new strand of Lenomosis. We are going to attack Earth, and I don't care if they notice. It's time for them to beg for mercy. Oh, oh my gosh, it's so brutal. If we thought Lovano was bad, we just found out she's worse. (laughs) Like a thousand times worse, because, wow, even after the attack on, uh, in Scarlet, like, that is nothing compared to like what she's saying right here I mean the attack from Scarlet was basically a show of force a show of what they're capable of if they're if they're challenged so what does a real attack look like what does it look like when they really want to invade earth and basically punish them for angering their queen Yes, because in the, like, in, again, in Scarlet, 16,000 died. 16,000. Can you imagine how many are going to die now? That's more than double the population of the town I grew up in. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That is a lot of people. <laughs> to put it into perspective, I'm, I'm not sure how old everyone who listens is, but I was alive during 9-11, right? Mm-hmm. Which was a very big casualty for the United States. To put it into perspective, that only killed 3,000 people. Wow. Which is like, what, a fifth of what happened during this one attack? And then, in like, what was it, like five, like five hours? No, two hours. Yeah, it was literally like two or three hours. Oh my gosh. Comparisons, so we can get an understanding of like the vastness of this. Yes. Here's another perspective. During the American Revolution, only 8,000 people died on both sides. Oh, oh my gosh. That's, that's half. That's half of this. Exactly half. Right? Wow. Now, I mean, there are obviously bigger ones, right? Like, I think the Civil War was like 2 million people. I think that the French Revolution, which was like incredibly bloody, was like 40,000 or 50,000 or something like that. So, um... There's obviously more drastic events throughout history that we could compare this to, but this is literally like a two-hour, two to five-hour event. Something that happened in less the span, less than a span of a day. Yes, sixteen thousand people. Now, yeah. granted, this is an attack on the entire planet, and and most attacks of that magnitude we haven't experienced in our lifetime, thankfully. But it does bring into question, like, if that was her warning. 
What is her actual attack going to be like? Seriously. Seriously. Oh, that's scary. Wow. Because <laughs> she can get brutal. We know she can get brutal by that warning. So... I mean, it's really scary. She could, like she said at the beginning of this chapter, she could literally make Earthens go extinct <laughs> if she yeah. wants to. I mean, and she kind of does want to. She basically just yeah. wants their planet. And like we've talked about before, they'd make good slaves. Yep. Which is why Cinder is fighting against it. It's why there's a whole rebellion to begin with. Now we're back in Queen Lavana's inner monologue. And this is, again, more of her delusions, right? Yes. Yes. Page 502. As far as the people of Luna and Earth knew, Selene had died 13 years ago. Levana was going to make sure it stayed that way. She was the rightful queen of Luna, of Earth, of the entire galaxy. No one would take that away from her. So not only is she delusional, she's on this huge power trip. Yes. Yes. She, she believes that she deserves it, too. Not only that she, like, that she wants it, but she does she thinks that she deserves it. That's all hers already. Like, And again, she seems to be slightly confused why anyone wouldn't want to be under her control. It's weird. Yeah. But I, I do like where it says, like, as far as the people of Luna and Earth knew, Selene had died 13 years ago and Lavana was going to make sure it stayed that way. Is Lavana acknowledging that she was aware that Selene did not die? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is she acknowledging that that she knew Celine was alive and out there somewhere, and she just was never able to find her? Probably, yeah. I can't, that makes me think of what like lengths she would have gone to to try to find her, which, yeah, yeah. I mean, Nancy found her, so mm -hmm. to a certain extent, Nancy was able to track her down quite a bit. So was Doctor Erlon to a certain extent. So yep. he was able to isolate it to Eastern Commonwealth and he knew like the age and things like that. So yeah, with the resources that Lavana is constantly bragging that she has at her disposal, does, I mean, basically Cinder's evaded capture for the last 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. So she's been like, not a criminal, but she's been like looked for, for a long time now. But, yeah. And now we have a very sad moment where we say goodbye to Dr. Erland. He passes away from Letamosis and he, the last thing he does is he whisper sings the Crescent Moon lullaby. Aww, it's, it's so sad. I like, I love that song. And I actually think I found someone wrote sheet music to it. It's, it's really cool. I'll have to send it, send the link to you. Uh, yeah, then I can sh then I can share it because that sounds beautiful. I really want to say this line because I find it to be hauntingly beautiful. Yes, Marissa. She's amazing. I love Marissa. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm so glad you were born, Marissa. Happy birthday! <laughs> the last word hovered unspoken as he stopped shuddering and lay still his blue eyes staring upward like empty marbles. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, moment of silence for Dr. Erland. Rest in peace, brave warrior. I'm sorry I was so hard on you. <laughs> but I, I am sad that you died. Yes. Even if, But you did get to have a hero's death as far as I'm concerned. Yes. And he still, he got to defy her as much as he wanted in his last... He, he got to defy her a lot. Yep. Which, I mean, that's partly... If you're going to go out, right? Go out. Go out with a, go with a bang or whatever. Yes. <laughs> so that is the end of chapter 56. What was your... I, I do want to point out, because I had, I had quite a few people who were like, could you do an episode without tangents just so we can see what it's like? This is what Bailey and I tried to do today. We, I think we did pretty good, right? No tangents? Yeah, we did. Yeah. We tried to keep all of it centered and focused. Yes. And we're at about 59 minutes right now. So that's still a pretty decent amount of time on an episode. Um, but, you know, nothing like the three hours here and there that I've done before. So we're trying. So what was your chapter title for this week? What is it all for by Ev Everett? Everett? I think I'm saying that right. 
I'm not I'm not familiar with the band, so I will just trust you. <laughs> so why did you choose that song? Because it kind of reveals a lot about Lavana and it kind of makes me think like what was that all for? Like she did all this she did she went through all this work just to kind of have it all uh destroyed like her husband. Obviously like something went wrong with that. Uh and then um I don't know. I feel for her because it all went, I don't know. I feel like everything just kind of went wrong here for her. Cause, and then Cinder escaped again. Kai's gone. Yeah. What was all this work for? Yeah. I think that's a good song choice. So, so I actually had two. both of them seem to um, fixate on the dynamic between Dr. Erland and Queen Lavana. The first one is Bad Blood by Taylor Swift, because obviously these two used to have somewhat of a camaraderie relationship, and now they are uh, enemies. There's a lot of bad blood between them. Also, blood, letamosis, shell blood. There's a connection there. Word. Word. Right, word association. And the next one I chose is Cut You Off by Selena Gomez, which is a really good song. Um, There are just quite a few small lines in the song that I think work. One, obviously, Dr. Erlang keeps interrupting her to clap back, which is awesome. Um, So he cuts her off a lot. Pull up to the mirror, staring at my face. We talked a lot in this chapter about Dr. Erlon having to stare at his own reflection and how Lavana would never be able to do such a thing. Yes. The truth is, I think I've had enough professionally messing with my trust. How could I confuse that for love? Lavana is obviously confusing pretty much everything for love, but I do also like the moment of acknowledging that Dr. Erlon had some kind of professional relationship with the queen and the lunar crown in general and that trust was broken uh when they took away his daughter and even more now that he's aware of the biological warfare behind letamosis yeah so patreon members will get to vote on chapter titles for this and go ahead and tell me your chapter quote for this one okay so i did it's on page 495 and there was and then there was the disease. His reptilian skin was covered in bruise-like blotches and a rash that was bubbling up like blisters, piling up on top of each other. His fingertips had already began to turn blue. No, he would not be around for much longer. So I kind of focused on the whole part of Dr. Erland in this chapter where he's obviously dying, but just kind of to show even how strong he is through it. Like, this terrible thing is happening to him, and he's strong enough to still defy her and cackle and stuff. Yeah, I, I love Dr. Erlon so much in this chapter. I definitely think that his responses to Lavana are very valid. Yes. And I'm so glad someone has the courage to say something to her, to defy her in some small way, even if it is just with words, which are extremely powerful, especially in this chapter when she's already frustrated. She's already dealing with she just lost Sybil she just lost her groom she obviously isn't going to be crowned empress or wife today so a lot of things are out of her control at this moment and on top of that Dr. Erland is just talking this whole time yes yeah I love it I love it so much my quote was she's princess Celine the true heir to the throne she can kill you all and she will kill you all She's coming for you, my queen, and she will destroy you. Page 501. Uh, pretty much everything I just said. Dr. Erland is a total badass, and I'm here for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Bailey. I hope you had fun. I did. Fun. It was a lot. Yay. I know you don't have social media, right? No, I don't. I'm, I, okay. I think in like two years. No, a year. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so really glad you were here, and hopefully you um, enjoy all of the, the socializing that we get to do on Patreon, so I'm really glad that you get to do that one, and that you got to record. We weren't sure if you were going to be able to, so I'm happy that you got to come on an episode. Thank you. This week, there was one egg and one hair. Next week, we're going to cover chapter 57. Follow the podcast on Instagram, rate, review, and subscribe. Check out Patreon for a chance to be a guest on an episode with me and more fun perks. Until next time, everybody, thank you for being here. 
keep reading, keep listening, and until next time, don't get glamored. Don't get glamored. Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Crest by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Rampy and Crew Patreon member Bailey. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening. You are getting sleepy, very sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. Right, my darling? Yes, dear. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. You will not dislodge the hose and blast air all about the bedroom. You will not wake me, your loving husband, who yearns for even a single night of uninterrupted slumber, please. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. Inspire treats the root cause of sleep apnea inside your body. While you sleep, Inspire keeps your airway clear so you can breathe normally and rest comfortably. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com to learn more. Inspire, sleep apnea innovation. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com.